Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye and... Mayu, what's going on, everybody? Austin, what's new with you? What's, what's keeping you up? What is not keeping me up nowadays? That's, that's a better question. No, there, there's a lot going on, as, as always. We are having that Rise event, which we'll get into a bit later. So we've been... Yesterday, we were just going over the logistics, asking some guest speakers, surprise guest speakers to come in and, and give some good insight into raising capital. Aside from that, the wholesale and business. So I'm still very much involved in it, especially on the disposition side. So if you guys call the email number, you would reach out to me. And there's a lot of people calling for deals, especially when you put out three or four deals at a time in, the, in two days. I'm basically on the phone the entire day, right? So there's yeah. no rest. And then people will ask questions and sometimes I'd have to go back, get some documentation and stuff for them. So it can be pretty exhausting. We're looking to outsource that or at least have a, a middleman before it gets to me, right? To, to do a lot of the betting. Because a lot of the times I ask the standard questions, basically the questions are, so are you, how do you plan to finance deals? Is it with A lenders only or private money? If you're doing A lender, do you want would you ever consider using private money? If not, then obviously they're not the right profile for private deals, right? Once you experience with investing, that's not make or break. Comfort level on taking projects for renovation, like a bunch of questions. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And that does the initial filtering. So that's what, that's been uh, what's keeping me busy the last couple of days. How about you, man? What have you been up to? I think we're wrapping up some projects in Windsor, right? Even Like things that we started like way long ago, wrapping those up serving our rent increases in New Brunswick, I'm trying to get the overall rents up for these properties. And yeah, we're also both, both of us, we're looking at the seven plugs in, in winter. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an odd one. So it's definitely not zoned for seven plugs, but it used to be a church, right? It's in a pretty residential area, uh, right at Walkerville in Windsor, the heart of Walkerville. And we, after digging into some more research, it appears that it is a legal seven plex at one point or another. It's been, it was, it was a church converted to a seven plex, but we do want to give a call to the city just to verify if that's the case, but it's really looking like that at this point. Basement heights are about nine to 14 feet. Obviously that's a ton of potential, right? The windows are huge. You can't even tell you're in a basement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one, we're seeing it more as like a development play. Well, it's, I don't know if it's development or just like renovation, whatever you want to call it. But basically our strategy is just going to be to add as many units as possible, both in the basement and then eventually the upper, uh, the second floor as well, right? 4,000 square feet each, yeah. each, both the basement <laughs> and the upstairs. So there's a ton of potential, like almost yeah. if all goes well, and this is super preliminary stages, by the way, we still have a two week due diligence period, but if all goes well, and it's exactly as we planned, which I'm sure it's not going to be exactly as we planned. The lift is going to be significant, like hundreds of thousands, maybe teetering to a million dollar lift. Yeah. But that is <laughs> if all goes well, which I don't have faith in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I guess other than that, I, just, I, was start, I started by coaching with Corey, meaning like I said, I signed the paperwork. So I'm going to be joining Corey McKinnon's program as a senior coach. So that'll be interesting looking to, you know, move away from the one-on-one or I guess the one-time coaching. One-off ones. Yeah, the one-off. Yeah. yeah. 
and move more in towards like actual relationships with people. So that'll be interesting and, and fun. Just having some conversation. So much more fulfilling, eh? Like just yeah. like actually building someone's growth. Like if you're actually committed, both, both sides are committed instead of one meeting every two months or so. Yeah. And ideally like it's working with people that have like two or three properties and want to get to like 10. Right. So it's just like, how do we, like, that's like almost the most exciting part of anyone's journey. It's just like, how do you go from two to 10? And then once you go to 10, you're, you're done. Like you, you, you can just keep growing. Right. So it's sick, yeah. but we'll see, we'll see what we end up working with. I think it'd be uh, pretty interesting overall. Yeah. And yesterday we also released the tickets as Austin mentioned earlier, I think that, that we released the tickets for our rise one day event or half day event. So it's going to be on April 29th from 6.30 to 10 p.m. And we honestly, we're trying to make it as short as possible, but we want to talk about all things related to, you know, raising capital to like help yourself, like grow your portfolio, right? Because as investors, eventually we all run out of money. It's just the reality of the situation, right? So for like myself and Austin, we've both gone through these phases where we use our own capital. And before we run out of capital, we start to bring in joint venture partners. We start to raise private funds or not. When I, and like, I think raising private funds has such a bad connotation to it. I think really it's attracting private funds to you and attracting joint venture partners to you. Right. So the entire course is going to be surrounding those topics. And it's just, you know, this is what worked for me and Austin. These are like some of the common like setbacks and like common hurdles and, and pushbacks that we get all the time. And it's just, you know, how do you address that? Here's our tools. Here's our pitch decks. Here, here's, you know, all the deal sheets and stuff like that, that we use. Yeah, I guess we're going to leave that down at the show notes. So if you guys want to go buy your ticket, it, it's just down at that link, click on it. And uh, yeah, make sure to RSVP because there are limited spots to it. Right before we jump into the guest, I want to say, because I always forget, dude, we always fucking forget, but we got to say to go like, subscribe, do whatever you can to support the podcast. Leave a comment on an Apple podcast. I don't know how the algorithm works. Like just support it, <laughs> just support it, do something. We're going to jump right into today's episode. We have Aditya Soma and Aditya is an investor, real estate agent, and his story is pretty unique and super inspiring. So he came down from India, uh, immigrated over to Canada and back in India, he had like no money. He, w- he was living on scraps pretty much if you, if you hear a story. And when he came to Canada, he was in a shit ton of debt eventually climbed himself into a hundred thousand dollars of debt which is terrifying and not real estate debt we're talking about lines of credit money that was pulled out for a wedding so on and so forth and he had to struggle and climb himself out of that as an immigrant coming into canada and windsor he eventually found a job as a software engineer didn't resonate with him and then jumped straight into real estate investing and now he's an ultra successful agent making hundreds of thousands of dollars per year he's done over 150 property sales, which is phenomenal in just two years. And he owns over 10 properties. A lot of them include multifamilies as well. So you guys are absolutely going to love this episode. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. Today, we are joined with a very special guest, Aditya Soma. Aditya, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Austin. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. So so Aditya, I think everyone or a good chunk of the people in our Rise Facebook group, they know myself and Austin, we both invest heavily in Windsor. Somehow I'm sure they've already came across your name because you're everywhere. You're on YouTube. You've been on Matt McKeever's YouTube channel. You, you're just everywhere. Um, <laughs> but what we're going to do today is a little bit different, I think, from what everyone you know always hears about Aditya. We're really going to dig into Aditya's investment journey, the challenges he's overcome over time. But you know, Aditya, on a high level, like, why don't you just introduce yourself to everyone from, from the investment side? Sure. Yeah. So what's up, everyone, first of all? So 
Austin and Moy, thank you so much, guys, for having me. So I've been following your podcast. So you guys are doing fantastic, very inspiring stories that you guys are bringing on. So appreciate uh, it, dude. We're gonna have another one today with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do my best to inspire you know at least few people. So to start with, you know, first of all, I'm an immigrant to this country. Came to Canada in 2012 as an international student with a bag of money. I'm kidding. Bag of debt. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, this is not the story I knew about in <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I, literally like starting with a like 50,000 debt. That's what I started with. You know, like most of the international students, I went through all that struggle, you know, work all sort of jobs, every, you know, you can imagine like cleaning the toilets from working in the factories, all sort of jobs. I got into IT uh, after my graduation, you know, found a job in Windsor. It was no plan at all, just a pure destiny. I was desperate for a job. I was in Toronto and I got a job here because it was already six months. I had no options. I want to just move anywhere where I can find work. Mm. So that's how I landed in Windsor. And then like I started working, you know, full-time job, Going interesting because it took me so much time to first of all pay off my debt and like I have so much dreams like I want to bring my parents to Canada, you know, travel back home often, not like once in three years or four years and go for just two, three weeks and come back. I want to travel like literally because my childhood is back home. So with that, like, you know, uh, desires and motivation in mind, I was like not happy with my job. So I was like trying different things. And that's when I landed in real estate. So that's when I found out about this house hacking, burst strategies, bigger pockets, Matt McKeever. So all these cool guys after reading a rich dad, poor dad book. Yeah, I think, I think that was the starting point for a lot of different investors, right? That book really just opened up, it opened up my mind, I guess, a DTN and Mayu, I'm sure you can relate when you read that book. I hope you did read that book. Actually, I actually read it. I actually read it pretty late in my journey. Like I went on a weird like circle <laughs> to come back to it. But Aditya, so where did you go to undergrad? So I, I, I always just assumed you went to the University of Windsor for some reason, but oh. <laughs> so where did you go? And you know, that's still a big yeah. leap of faith to move to Windsor yeah. for a job, I guess, right? Yeah, uh, actually I went to an undergrad in India not here so oh, okay. i came here for post-graduation like a college diploma course in sarnia oh, okay, okay okay so so you were in india and you you had your undergrad there you're not from a wealthy family right so why don't we talk about a bit I, i'm not sure how back you want to go like but in terms of heritage because sure. i know your story quite well yeah. so so what was the lifestyle back so, in india i'm from a small village our population is probably like less than thousand people my parents are farmers deeply deeply rooted into like the hardworking family but never really had a financial freedom like you know my dad he literally like I never spent time with my family till like just literally this year for the first time I ever spent like good chunk of time with my family because because of the financial situations my dad he had lost his business when I was like fifth grade something like that and then he left to Dubai, worked all sort of really hard jobs. And he was there for like seven years. He never came to India. So I never saw my dad. And then, you know, when he came back, like it was still like financial situations was still not sorted out. So he put me in a hostels here. They call residencies. Mm-hmm. So literally staying in the school because just he was like always wanted me to get a good education and so that I can get a better life. So I don't have to work hard like him. So that's how, that's what my family background is like farmers, hardworking, didn't even had money to send me to Canada. 
but mm-hmm. he literally like borrowed from you know family and friends because back home that's one good thing yeah. if some, you know there are few good uh, friends that my dad and family relatives that really helped out for 24% interest rate per year holy shit oh, 24 wow. and we talk about credit cards being high interest yeah. rates dude that's crazy wow and, okay um, it's it's money is is the problem from my childhood that's one of the motivation yeah. that you know. So, so that was a huge motivating factor. You jumped down to Canada, you did your post-grad. How much more in debt were you? Were you 50K in debt after that? Or you, you dug yourself in even oh, more debt? Good question. So first, my educational debt was 50K. But after that, like after I finished my graduation, I started working, right? So after two to three years, I, I cleared off my debt. But by the time my sister wedding and my wedding was planned. So you know how big Indian weddings are. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, because my dad didn't have money and it was all my responsibility. So I had to help my dad for my sister's wedding. Back home, it's like, you know, a, a cultural thing where we, the, like the girl family take care of the whole marriage thing. And that is like freaking 100,000 debt. So literally this Canadian? Like, 100,000 Canadian? No, Canadian dollars. Yes. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. 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 So this is in 2018, mid of 2018, I was into hundred thousand debt. Yeah. Wow. That's okay, when so I decided to quit my job. And I, I've heard like bits job. and parts of the story from Austin over the years. So this is still like really nice to hear like it more in depth, but so, so you, you were working in an IT job at that point. Did you, so this is 2018, the end of 2018. So yeah. did you own much real estate at that point or, or you know, what um, was that? So I bought my first property in 2017. And at this point in time, I had my second property and I was just started like a conversation with a partner, like a friend. He decided to invest with me. Those, this, is, well, this was at that time. So I had two properties. And how did you even afford your first property? How much was it? Like, what was the purchase price? I'm assuming you put Good 5% question. down. Let's, <laughs> let's walk through your first property purchase. Yeah, being definitely. So because I didn't have any money at that time. I was just cleared off my debt and I knew my, you know, family the marriage thing is coming up. So definitely I needed money for this one, but right in between that time, which is like, you know, 2017 beginning. So my first deal was a duplex house hack, the ugliest property. Like they called it a side-by-side duplex, but it's like a weird layout, 100 plus years, totally, totally dated, got it for 102,000. (laughs) <laughs> wow different this time eh? right? <laughs> yeah this is in on to, 2017 march 1st that's the day i closed the property yeah. so uh, again from the get-go i started with the in in you know with the investment mindset you know by the time i already had like good friends cassie and matt you know yeah. they started this win city investor club at that time so because of, like i was already networking i was already learning i said you know what no matter how much how much painful the process is I'm going to go this route so that I can learn how to get the renovations done, how to add value and all those things. You know, what's an interesting point is that you started with so much debt, financial struggle, you ended up buying your first property, but you had to do it with an investor mindset because you didn't have the fortune or the ability to do it based on just buying a property that is nice, newly renovated, so on and so forth, which which is a trap we see a lot of people in corporate do. No yeah. investor mindset. They buy the biggest house, the most expensive house. You had no choice and you yeah. made shit work. So that that's awesome. And I'm assuming you were able to offset your entire expense with the with the house hack or? Yeah. So good thing is, you know, 
after I renovated um, one unit, I rented out that unit, the three bedroom unit, and it was like three bedroom and one bedroom. So I rented out the three bedroom and moved into one bedroom. So the three bedroom rented for like 1250 something at that time. And uh, that was paying my mortgage, my insurance, my taxes, like everything. <laughs> so I was living pretty much. We know that's not happening anymore. Not <laughs> I'm just curious, what, what is that duplex ARV at back in 2017? Because that was before uh, mine and Austin's time in Windsor. Yeah, no, yeah. That's actually a really good question. Because one thing the first time investors forget, especially the first time home buyers, is everyone wants to do a bird strategy. But if you look for a first time home buyer, purchase plus improvements mm-hmm. mortgage, uh, you don't even have to care about refinance. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my total investment into this property was 8,000, including <laughs> renovations. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah, because you bought it about 110 or 105, you said, so that's 20K. Yeah, 102, unless I asked, yeah. yeah I yeah, took yeah. the mortgage from the bank for improvements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, what a, what a steal of a deal. <laughs> you didn't even know it at the time, too. Okay. I didn't uh, know, yeah. What walk us through after that. So shortly after that, you bought another property and then you got into a hundred grand of debt. Before you got into the hundred grand of debt, what was that second property like? How did you save for it? Uh, give us the details on that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for a second property, because obviously I didn't had money after, after my first purchase, I didn't have money. That was already like, I was just paying off my, you know, expenses from credit card because my job was good. The biggest leverage I had was my job. Mm-hmm. So my IT job and salary was 80,000 per annum. So that was like a really good leverage I had. So my mortgage agent said, you need 10,000 in your account. And I didn't have it at that time. So she said, because you're making every month 4,000, don't spend that. So just spend from your credit card and use this for down payment. So that's exactly what I did for, for the first one. So for second one, no money. But good thing, because I leveraged every penny from the bank, I started saving my rent. That's one thing. And I was, I just finished my debt. So every penny I'm making, literally pretty much saving. Even at that time, I didn't have second car. So my wife just like, she was like new to Canada at that time. So she didn't have a car and she just started working part-time jobs. So she's making like $1,000 and I'm making like 4,000. So we started saving every month again. So- And you were still living in the, the one bedroom unit of your duplex? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. So for next six months, I didn't have money, but we were like, I I was, because from the beginning, I wanted to buy more properties. That's the, like, because I was part of this community investor club and everyone owns like five, six, seven properties. They're talking (laughs) about all this financial freedom and everything. I'm like, okay, I got to stay committed for this one. So that's the power of just like networking and being part of that community, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cause like normal people, you do a duplex, you got a pretty good setup. Your wife's here. You know, you want to just kind of stabilize and call it a day, but you saw everyone around you that had like seven or eight properties and you're like, why would I stop now? So that's a good testament just to networking there. Yep. So, so So, this was, you know, that continued for six months. And then after six months, I like at that point, still Windsor was like, you can get a okay duplex under 200. Mm -hmm. Like just so, so, so I found this duplex. It was like 160,000. So I needed a 35,000 down and plus another, you know, probably around I paid 40, 42,000, including land transfer tax and everything. So this one was turnkey. I didn't have money for renovations. I cannot get the improvements. So, but what the, what I did was 
just a little change it was all rented at that time i didn't even know much about the tenant laws i was still learning right so yeah. but one thing i had a property manager so i asked her how much can i get rent on this units so at that time they were rented for like 950 including utilities mm-hmm. so i asked this owner can you give me like you know vacant position so yeah. surprisingly he didn't ask me if it's for you or not he agreed to give a vacant position because he knows <laughs> the tenants what good times good times yeah. to be doing <laughs> times, yeah. stuff right like don't don't try that in this market that didn't happen that was that was <laughs> 950 what, for like a, a two bedroom or got, got lucky along the way Was that like a two-bedroom unit or or what was that? Three-bedroom. Three-bedroom, three-bedroom. Oh, wow. Inclusive. Up and down duplex. Wow, that duplex must have made you some good money now. <laughs> oh, double, <laughs> double the price right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to recap on that, eh? So you were dealt a pretty shitty pair of hands financially. And what you did was you cut your living expenses to zero dollars because your house hacking covered every single expense you could think of, maybe except for a car. and you saved everything like i would say probably you would is it fair to say more than 80% of your paycheck was saved definitely while owning a house like, yeah very cheap guy like literally even you know sometimes if i used to think so badly like if i buy a coffee that's a dollar i would rather make coffee at home that's still how i think <laughs> <laughs> well, no i get you okay and then you bought you saved all that up you bought your other property and you had a you had a decent income paying job so that was a good leverage And yeah. then after that, you got yourself in a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Yeah. Tell me about that. And that happened to be the same time you quit your job. So what the, yes. what the fuck was going through your okay. mind? Yeah. Well, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's where the turning point, you know, here's what, like for a few months, I couldn't sleep. I was thinking constantly about this debt because hundred thousand is crazy. Like I never heard about that much money in my life. So that's not a mortgage too. It's like no, no, exactly. I, I was happy about those two property mortgages because those you know tenants are paying me the rent. Yeah. I'm making like you know on the second duplex I was making like thousand dollars cash flow. So right. I'm like this. What do I do? Right? Like if I continue to work, my my job, like by the time if I after paying my expenses for the property, I was still living in that duplex. so if i hardly i can save like maybe 2 to 3000 after the car payment after the food everything so 2 to 3000 savings how much time do does it take for me to pay my 100000 debt so that means i cannot buy another property for next 2 to 3 years at least mm-hmm. if i'm lucky if i don't get any big debts so that really scared me shit away like it's like oh my god this is too much and that's when i read one book by grand cardon he talks about sales a lot like how to make 1 million dollars you know all those like either you sell like 5 dollar product this many and you sell like you know uh, x amount products for this many and all. he gives some numbers and like that's when i realized okay i understand real estate a little bit now and i know there are a lot of people you know especially like my background coming in immigrants whom i can help whom i can relate to i can help you know and I'm, i know I, ha- i enjoy working with people so i was like constantly thinking how to improve my income because that's the only way i can pay off my debt investing is great for building wealth you know that grows over time it's not like 
flipping. I'm making money on every sale. So that's when I really started like going deep and okay, maybe I got to do some switch to, to get out of the debt and have really freedom. So that's when the sales came into picture. So that's when like, I literally like made my mind, you know what? I actually, before I made my mind, I actually asked my wife because she was making $1,000, probably $1,500 at that time. And she started taking exams. She took first exam and second exam, she failed twice. And she said, you know what? Honestly, I'm not at all interested in this. I to don't be a realtor? Like talking your wife, to your wife yeah. was taking the realtor exams? Yeah, I forced her to take. <laughs> <laughs> Living out your dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work out. So she said, like, honestly, this is not my thing. You ask me whatever you want to do, but this is not what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> so then so, you, you went out there and you, you got your realtor license at yeah. that time yeah that still must have been pretty nerve-wracking right like yeah I, I don't know what your salary was at that time but like i don't know a realtor yeah. in windsor you're, you're not getting the, you know the same commissions at that time as you yeah. are on a prop like everyone wants to be a realtor in toronto because you're dealing with million dollar houses and you're getting twenty five thousand dollar checks but it's not the same in Windsor, right? So yeah. that still must have been pretty nerve wracking. I'm just curious yeah. what the thought process was. Like, you know, what did you do leading up to quitting your job to help you get ready to build yeah. a, a scalable so, real estate business? Because you blew up, right? Like, I think I met you with Austin back maybe like, yeah, like 2018 around, right? Yeah. And that was around the time that I think you were that question. What was that? Very good question. Not yeah. many people asked me that. Yeah. So you know, one thing is really mindset. First of all, I think because I was already networking and I, I became very good friends with, you know, Matt and Cassidy. They were like my first mentors. Matt, uh, Cassidy was the realtor. So I was like constantly asking her. Her first year, she made like 80000 as a realtor. So by the time she already had a nice good size, you know, this investor club going on. And I was like reading ton of books, like during this period, like all these crazy things happening in my marriage and the debt slowly started to, you know, I have, I was paying for family, but all those times I was just constantly reading books and networking with people. This one thing, like these two things, I never like, I, I always took it as a high priority because that's the only thing I knew can get me ahead. So that's right. At that time, when I decided to take my real estate license, I started my YouTube channel with the help of Matt McKeever, he showed me like, gave me a super solid confidence. So <laughs> I said, you know what, let me start my channel. That's when I started. So, so Aditya, you, you were a very timid person uh, at the beginning of investing, right? You weren't as outspoken as you are now. Were you not nervous going into the realtor space? Because typically when you think of a realtor, you think of someone who is very salesy right? Like someone who will talk your ear off. And that wasn't necessarily your personality. So what were, did you have any limiting beliefs before entering that space? Bro, if I tell you, if I, I'm not nervous, I'm just lying to you. Mm -hmm. I was scared to death <laughs> because imagine this immigrant, first of all, yeah, no family and friends, no one owns real estate in Windsor, you know, I don't know anyone except uh, Cassie, Matt, and, you know, those few investors. And at that time, it was only 40 people yeah. a month. That's exactly. Not to, exactly. To 100 grew now, but at that time, no. So you can imagine my fear. There are, there are nights like I used to hug my wife and say, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Like, 
I get goosebumps even when I think about that. It, it was really scary. But one thing I always remind myself, one of my favorite quote is like, you know, would I regret if I don't do this now after five years or three years down the road? That's one thing I always remember, whatever it is. If I feel like I would definitely regret after five years, I would rather do it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I said like, you know what, worst thing could happen, I'll come back and do my job. You know, obviously after one year or two years. But what if it works out? And and it did work out. There, like, there you are. Well. Well. <laughs> For those who don't know why Aditya is on this podcast now, because it, it worked out. So, so do you want to go into that that story? So you started off as a realtor. Tell us what your first year was like. So you started so, a YouTube channel. What else did you do starting off? Yeah. So all I did was like I was preparing myself with the leads. One thing with the sales is you need the leads, right? You need people who can trust on their big investment. So good thing because I was already investing. And by this time, when I quit my job, I already had like four or five properties. I already started doing JV deals. So because I was already like learning a lot, like networking and also doing this YouTube. So instantly, like when I literally got my license, I had like a couple of people waiting for me to, you know, get my license. So it was like, gave me enough confidence to jump in. So the first year definitely was one of the heavy challenge year because, you know, so many things. One, first of all, I have to train myself. I was an employee for five years. So first of all, motivating, every, motivating myself every day. And second of all, so many things are new for me. So, so many things I have to learn. But every day, you know what? This is my day. I got to make it happen. And with a good network, it just blown away my mind. I even made a video in December 2017 before I quit my job. I quit in January 2019, 31st, which is like literally two years for the day, for yesterday. So first year, I sold 55 properties. Second year, I sold over 100 properties. Jesus, that's a lot. (laughs) By now, just my sales is over a million dollars commission. Wow. And we're we're one month in, dude. We're one. (laughs) Yeah, like that's a huge round of applause. Okay. My, I'm sure there's a lot to break down. I'll let you, I'll let you have at it at some questions right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, so I think, you know, Austin's quitting his job at the end of February. Yeah, not I'm, February. I'm not going to say anything about me, but I'm kind of, you know, tethering in the same, the same school of thought as well. I'm just curious, like you quit your job and you kind of touched upon this as well. You have to change your mindset from that self, that, that employee mindset to now I'm self-employed. And I'm just curious, like, what is it? Like, did you not have lazy days and, you know, what did you do to overcome those? Because I can see myself just quitting and, you know, starting this venture, but then, you know, there's no boss, you know, breathing down your back. And some days you're like, I'm just not going to do anything. Right. So I'm just curious, you know, that first, first year minus the getting leads, like what were some of the other challenges that you faced or that a normal person would face? Till the day, Fridays are my laziest days. <laughs> Friday evening comes in, I want to just go turn on my TV and watch TV. So yes, but uh, don't forget, I had my 100,000 debt. <laughs> you had no choice. You had no choice. on that. Yeah. And, and I, don't tell me you were paying the 24% interest though. Uh, no, that one, oh, okay. 24% was gone. Okay. That was the student loan. This one is like line of credits and, you know, friends, uh, borrow from friends. Actually, I, I didn't cover one more thing. Like I, it was actually 180,000 debt because I lost on one of the projects. Uh, I, I started a new construction project just right before I quit my job and I, it, it went so terrible and I, I lost money on that. 
but wow. I sold my first property, offset that some of the you know expense there. Damn. So you were negative 180, quit your job and you were still making things work. I'm just curious, Aditya, how were the first couple of months as a realtor? When did you actually start getting business? So you were saying you were generating some leads before. My thought process when I talked to you during that mind mindset, I remember we were chatting. You said your main clientele were going to be like immigrants or people that you can relate to. But surprisingly, it was the investor community, right? Yeah. How long till you got your first couple of clients and when did it start blowing up? Yeah. So, you know, thank God. YouTube, YouTube and the networking, those two things were key in my business. So because I was like, my one thing I told myself like solidly, no matter what commission is my, not my priority. Doesn't matter how much debt I have. I wanna really like whatever my clients need, like, you know, especially when it comes to investing, there's so many realtors, like no one can really help you with the right you know, attitude, you're, you're my, one of my initial client, you know, we bought how many, five properties at least, bought yeah. and sold at yeah. least five properties together. Um, yeah. Always like I put that in, in the first line, like, so thank God because of my YouTube, I started getting leads and, and my networking, you know, all these years from 2016 end till 2018, before I quit my job, I was continuing. I never missed network with uh, Win City. Until unless I had a fever or something. I think I don't even remember I missed even one. I was always there every day. I was always like networking with people and was not salesy, like never, even till the day, never ever be salesy. I was like just genuinely me learning from other people who are really doing, you know, good things, what I don't know. And I'm just genuinely helping other people wherever, you know, my help. So, so did, did that you really helped me. Did you, did you start the YouTube channel and like the networking after you'd quit your job or was it all kind of before and, and therefore the leads were already coming? Were you like a part-time realtor first or did you jump straight into it full-time and then you started YouTube and then you started networking? Like what was the timeline there? I'm just... Sure. Networking, I started like literally from before even I got my first property in right. 2016. When I, when I knew after reading the Rich Dad Put It, first thing I did was how to invest in real estate in Canada. That's when I found bigger pockets and that's when I found this group. Yeah. So investing, the networking started there, but the YouTube, actually, I was talking to Matt McEwer. He was, a, he was in Windsor at that time, like in 2017, I believe this, uh, 2018, when I was like still thinking whether to get a real estate license or So that meeting was the turning point for me for lead side. So he said like, you know what, if you're looking to become a realtor, why don't you start your YouTube channel? I'm like, and he gave an example of Jeff Weibo, mm -hmm. his good friend and who is a realtor in London. And he made a hundred thousand in first year. And there was a video, I saw that video. I'm like, and he was sharing, you know, he do videos and all those things. And I saw Matt McEwer's videos, another, you know, Graham Stephan and other YouTubers. I'm like, I think this is something I enjoy. I like to be on the camera and I like to, you know, share some thoughts that I know what I'm doing and all those things. It, it was not like super fancy or anything. Literally, I started with my phone, no audio. There were even people commented saying, bro, you're saying you have five properties. Can't you buy just audio? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's okay. <laughs> we're, we're, probably so that's get, we're probably get those comments too, Mai, but low key, like no one has said it to us. So yeah. So Aditya, you blew up your YouTube channel, meaning you're at, I'm just, I'm looking at your page right now. You're at about almost 5k in subs. You're getting quite a few views, quite a few videos. 
any, I know a lot of different investors now uh, and different realtors and, you know, mortgage brokers and different individuals starting up the YouTube platform, any like words of advice on, you know, how to grow it and, and, you know, what you think what worked well and what, what didn't work well as well. Yeah. So one thing I would say a lot of realtors starting out now, they're being so generic. Like what I mean is, for example, if someone does a video on what's the best thing to do in Windsor. So if you're not being you, no one is going to enjoy your talk. If you're like just a mission up, XYZ is good, you know, go check out this, go check out that. No one is going to really enjoy your video. So I think that's one thing what I started to do is like what I'm good at, what I enjoy talking about, where I can be live, you know, where I can really like genuinely, if someone watching it, if they can get some either information or some entertainment. Right. So that's what I was doing. So literally all those videos, even till the day, majority of them are like my personal experience, either something that I learned or something that I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I remember Aditya, one of your YouTube videos, you literally walk through your house hacking property. You walk through your unit. And so you house hacked one of the units, the main unit, and then you also house hacked the the unit you were staying in, you rented out a bedroom in the unit that you lived in with your wife. Right. And you just literally broke down the numbers and even showed us the place you were living at plus the tenants, one bedroom that they were staying at. So you gave some next level of visibility there. I think that's what like got me attached to you as well. I was like, Oh man, this guy's actually showing. Um, I feel like, He's super I real. feel like the most successful like YouTube videos now are people sharing their raw like actual experience i think aditya like also like shows his like commission like he talks about like a lot of different things and i think a lot of people appreciate that insight so aditya it sounds like you really had a successful career as a realtor crushing the sales game right now man that's that's insane super inspirational story where are you in terms of your investing journey as well because part of this journey is you started off because you wanted to build wealth and i'm sure you didn't stray too far away from that so what's your current portfolio look like now i just formed a deal three days ago on, on my 11th property. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. How um, was that? So that, that's a single family where a potential to a basement, do a basement suite and also potential to sever the lot if minor variants go through and put another two units in that lot. You're doing super creative stuff. Didn't you buy a 17 unit recently? Yeah, but that's uh, last month. <laughs> that's old news austin old news now that's the biggest purchase i had the 17 unit building i'm super happy with. i'm excited it's actually the work in progress right now we, we are renovating five out of 17 units so i'll have some videos coming up on that one soon yeah Congrats, so that's, man. A, and, that's a big project yeah and, and you jv'd on that or you were you, you bought that yourself so that's me, another partner, both of us like equal money partners. No, I, because apartments are still my new thing. So I said, I'll put my money first. Yeah, no, I appreciate that you do that, right? Like when you're exploring something new and you don't have familiarity into it, doesn't yeah. matter how experienced you are. It's nice to put, like to show that you have skin in the game as well. So props to you there. 11 properties. It's probably nice if you said the unit count because one of those properties is a 17 over unit. 35 units. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. So, so Aditya, like I, I know, you know, Windsor's obviously been in the news quite a bit and we're just going to touch on this a little, little bit high level. Aditya also runs uh, the Wind City group as well. And he's, he's in there talking about Windsor city, like 
market updates quite frequently. So you guys can check them out there as well. But, you know, one of the things you, in this episode already, we've talked about how you were buying at a duplex at like a 110 or 150 and so on. You know, today, those are like closer to like three to 400K for a duplex. What is your outlook on the Windsor market? Like have things reached a peak, which, you know, me and Austin, I'm sure we hear it from a mm-hmm. lot of people is, you know, what's, what's a runway left for Windsor? Cash flow is eroding. Like what is your largest scheme outlook on the Windsor market? Yes, very good question. Definitely, uh, I feel Windsor still got some more potential, maybe another two or three years for multiple reasons. Still, if you are a little bit creative, you can find deals which can you know, make a good cash flow. So for example, the one I bought just uh, you know, three days ago, this one, I actually paid 210,000 over asking on the market, just like everyone. But th- there is a reason for me to pay that I was just going to say, what's the logic in that? So (laughs) Yeah, of course, you know, as an investor, we don't want to pay that price until there is a, you know, a potential for us to make money. So this one, in the worst case scenario, I will end up having three units and with a garage rented out. So altogether, probably under 700,000, maybe max 800,000 in South Windsor. So Mm. in in one of the best neighborhoods where I'll be making probably $500 cash flow. So, but in a best neighborhood, mm-hmm. that's right. a worst case scenario. But the best case scenario, I might have like four to six units that can make over $1,500 cash flow. Mm. So you're just seeing a vision that most other investors aren't seeing, right? Because you're local to the market. You're, you're on top of all of the rules, regulations. You're seeing what other, you're networking. So you're seeing that, other, what other investors are doing like Clark Clark is building tiny homes in Windsor for Christ's sake. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're involved in that community. So you're, he's part of my team and your analysis. Yes. <laughs> Clark is part of my real estate team. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, yeah, are, cool what, what are you seeing happening on the, the rent side in Windsor? Like are rents going up? Have they kind of stagnated? Cause you gave us the example of a three bedroom rented. I think you said you got 1250, 1250 right? Yeah. And so, in my experience, three-bedroom apartment unit, maybe 1500 to 1600 mm-hmm. today. What, you know, do you think that's the peak of the rental market? And the reason I ask this is that ultimately cash flow is prim- more than purchase prices. It's driven by almost the rental market, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't think so at, I mean, one thing is right now, yes, because of the, you know, lockdown and also like, you know, stay-at-home orders, of course, the there is a it's a slow process to rent the properties right now and and there is a good chance for you know having your property vacant but that being said is it is this the end of the you know for a tenancy i feel i don't think so here is the reason why cra announced that they're going to bring another million immigrants in next two to three years where that all people going to go of course majority of them comes to ontario and out of that maybe two to 3% of the immigrations come to Windsor. So, and on top of that, with this work from home option, people are really looking into moving to smaller cities that has bigger amenities, bigger city amenities like Windsor. One of them definitely is Windsor. So are you seeing a lot of emigration, I think is what they call it, like within like the cities? Are you seeing a lot of people moving from Toronto and other markets to Windsor or is it just yes. investors coming in there and flooding the market with 
what we call I mean, so major majority of the buyers or investors but there is a, a, a um, you know i would say hard there is no st- data to really prove on that mm-hmm. point but at least if i have to Guess tell from my personal experience yeah. you know the amount of calls i get out of that probably 90% of them are investors but at least there is 10% of people who are like you know what hey i'm working from home i have a it job or i have a like you know whatever ex job that my company announced that i can work from home for next 1 2 3 years i was thinking now maybe move to windsor that's a pretty significant amount 10% is not immaterial at all no yeah. it it is a sentiment that i I've, i've seen it online and like in some forums where people are like oh like moving to windsor like windsor is a pretty nice city you're, you're close to the us border like a lot close of people the, like that yeah, like waterfront Yeah. Like, you know, like as you were saying there's big city amenities, right? In a yeah. in a smaller city, yeah, I, affordable. I don't know when you guys planning to post this one. If you guys are planning after one week, probably I'll have a Windsor guide. I really spent a ton of time created like a 70 page PDF talking about like what's Windsor, what type of neighborhoods, what's the rents like so deep like really starting from population growth to the you know specific about neighborhoods and like what to do in Windsor and all those things so maybe I'll I'll, I'll put that link but why you. even ask the questions anymore because the DT has all the answers now in <laughs> <laughs> one convenient spot <laughs> yeah for sure so this is going to be past a week by the time we upload this so we'll definitely have that link to Aditya's profile where you can get the PDF as well from there and anyone that's looking at Windsor that's definitely a huge asset So I think that that wraps up this episode for us today. So you know, Aditya, we usually like like to ask our guests three questions at the end of the episode. So the last five years for you have definitely been a big roller coaster. You've gone through a lot in the last five years. I'm curious, you know, what are your goals five years from now? Personally, investments, the realtor business, anything? Yeah, sure. So I I, I don't believe in five years goal. I I, I have a two year goal. That's that. I'm not that far visionary so small visionary so my next two years goal is like you know really make another million dollars through sales by the way which i didn't mention till now officially my asset value is over 1.2 million on the r- real estate side so that really billionaire <laughs> yeah in official terms uh millionaire your your so, equity value is over 1 million right equity value yeah exactly yeah. So if I sell all my properties probably I'll have more than 1.2 million in hand cash. So for next two years I want to make another million dollars that's my you know from the active income and within a once by end of two years I hope this covid thing everything will be gone so I can travel the world me and my wife we want to do some adventurous things for another one two years after that. So this two years I want to continue to invest and continue to make kill it in the sales and have a small team who can crush it in the sales so i can you know me and my wife can take a a long long vacation do some adventurous stuff that's awesome i think what one thing you said in there as well is that you just don't like to set goals for 5 years and i definitely have to echo that i think even when the bank asks you if you want a 5 year fix i'm like man my life has changed so much in the last like 1 2 years i can't commit to anything for 5 years that's crazy yeah. <laughs> uh aditya next question if you won 10 million dollars in cash and you had 7 days to spend it how would you spend it and you cannot invest all of it some of it sure but not all of it sure of course uh, definitely i want to buy one or two solid apartment buildings that can produce uh, you know long term assets long term cash flow uh second one i would invest in a solid blue chip stocks 
the dividend paying stocks. So that's the second thing. And the third thing, probably I'll take some really expensive adventurous things. You got to buy your wife something very nice, man. She, she sat to you with all the debt. <laughs> Aditya yeah. actually has no idea how to spend the money. Eh? <laughs> he just said he's going to buy some adventurous things. <laughs> he's like, yeah. a Lambo, a Ferrari. <laughs> I'm not much into cars. So I'm curious, Aditya, are you still, are you still on the frugality side of things or how, how has that changed? Not that, you know, I'm not thinking about buying to coffee. So nowadays I'm buying coffee at least one a day, <laughs> but definitely still like, you know, when it comes to like, you know, I was still house hacking, like literally before my dad came to Canada. So I was house hacking till then wow. um, nice. to save some money, but even my house till the day, uh, a small house, you know, decent enough for me and my family. I don't want to go for like 600, 700,000 houses. Of course I spent a little bit money on my car, got a BMW car, but, uh, yeah, still balancing out, not that frugality, but right. continue to invest though. Like, you know, still buying like solid amount of properties. You're spending nice. a nice. little bit, but it doesn't impact the amount of capital that you can invest. Correct. Correct. Right. You know, if my income is like 50 to 70,000 a month, probably I'm spending like 15,000 a month. Right. Nice. Okay. Awesome. So our, our last question, Ditya, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> we stump a lot of people with this. Did it alive? Oh man! Okay, I, I remember this. I, I have a school teacher. Okay, she, she's like very pretty, and also one of the very influenced person on my life. Like you know, uh, so many ways. But I, when I was in school, I was like so afraid to you know. I, I was not that much like you know outspoken person. So many feelings I keep to myself. Mm-hmm. So probably with that teacher. That that's cute. You know the people who this. Some people make such a instrumental difference to your life, and they might not be there with you forever. If that makes sense, it could be just you know them for two three months, but they made such an instrumental difference. So that's awesome. DTF, thank you so much for joining us in today's podcast. It's been phenomenal having you on, sharing your journey. Hope we gave the listeners a different kind of perspective because people know you as a realtor, but they don't know how you got to your success as a millionaire. It's a, it's a true racks of riches story. DTF, people want to reach out to you. How could they do so? My YouTube channel. So that's one <laughs> spot. Facebook and Instagram. And I'll, I'll give you guys my website link. So if they're really serious about investing in Windsor or buy or sell, I'm more than happy to hop on a call. I have a link in the, on my website to schedule a call with me. But just to, you know, chat with me, any general topics, Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for jumping on. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. There's a lot to enjoy about it. And if you did, share it with a friend, like, comment, subscribe, rate it on iTunes. Do whatever you can to support the podcast. It helps us grow and it keeps us motivated. And until next time, everyone, invest smarter and live better.